Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Write Steno. Thank you so much for all of the listening that you guys have been doing. Wow. You guys rock. You guys are truly the best. Thank you so very, very much. So I am your host here at Let's Write Steno, uh, Sandra, or you can call me Sandy. And um, whatever you choose, it doesn't really matter to me. Some people even call me Sandra, but we'll keep it with the sand or Sandra or Sandy. All right. Um, my AKA is Steno Duchess. So want to know where you can find me? You can find me on Facebook at Court Reporters Plus. You can find me at Sandra Stenography and Shorthand Dictations on YouTube. And you can also find me right here on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, and wherever this broadcast happens to land in your ear. So I would like to ask you if you would like to become a sponsor. Yes. So what would you be sponsoring? You will be helping me sponsor this podcast. You would help me sponsor my YouTube channel and I'm building a website and you could help me sponsor that as well. So that is where I would be putting your donations back into those three places to make them better. As a matter of fact, with no donations at all, just on myself, I just recently went out and bought a brand new microphone. So I hope that it is picking up nice and clear. Now, I really wanted the Yeti, which was $99, but I settled for a great one. Um, and I believe it was $50, about half the price. And it is um, made by Blue, and it is um, a snowball. Or that is, the manufacturer is Blue, and the product is named Snowball. And I really love it, and I hope that it helps me bring in this dictation to you nice and clear and crisp. I would like to go ahead and get um, pull up this matter that we're doing today. And the reason that I'm doing this um, particular um, dictation today is because I have a friend who is, well, I have several friends who are Nigerians, good, hardworking people. And um, I was speaking with one of them the other day and they were telling me about the attacks on Nigerians. So being a curious person that I am, I went, um, I was already hearing it on the news, but I didn't, um, because I, I'm so busy building this website, um, you know, got so much going on and putting videos on my, on my channel, which I do pretty much on a daily. Um, I, went to the internet, of course, and pulled up some um, articles on it. And this one was just right on point. So I thought I would bring this to you as a dictation. So the name of it is from the New York Times. And the title is What's Behind the Deadly Violence in South Africa. And as a footnote, it says, the attacks on immigrants are neither irrational nor spontaneous. It is written by Lauren B. Landau. Thank you, Lauren. And it was written September 16th, 2019. After all of that, 
trying to think. Did I tell you about the sponsorship that you can sponsor me for 99 cents a month? I think I did that. If I didn't, there you go. And um, up to, or up to five dollars a month, no more than five dollars a month. So it's either 99 cents or five dollars. So there you have it. Um, I would like to go ahead and get started. I won't be reading this at any particular um, speed, probably around between, if I have to guess, around 100, somewhere around there. All right, ready? And five, four, three, two, one. That's right. Johannesburg. The past few weeks in South Africa have been deadly. Citizens have turned on immigrants and other outsiders in a bout of violence and political theater that has killed at least 12 people and forced hundreds more from their homes. While it is primarily immigrants on the run, 10 of those killed in this xenophobic melee were South African citizens. Two were trampled during a looting spree. Others were attacked because they speak the wrong language or come from the wrong place. Such street-level violence has a long history, including attacks in 2008 that killed more than 60 people, most of them poor foreigners and displaced more than 100,000. This is not irrational violence or a spontaneous popular revolt, nor is it simply, quote, criminality, close quote, as South Africa's political leaders repeatedly claim. Rather, it is an act rooted in the failures of South Africa's transformation, continuing white privilege, world-leading levels of inequality and unemployment play a role. So too do erratic policing cowardly political leaders and a disillusioned population. And fundamentally, it is a story of a ruling party unable and afraid to truly take on the responsibility of governing a deeply divided angry country. The turmoil of recent weeks may have resonance with anti-immigrant 
policies in Europe and the United States. But it carries a distinctly South African inflection. Not only does it stem from a different history, it is also more decentralized and violent. Where Donald Trump, Matteo Salvini, and Marine Lee Penn stoke anti-immigrant sentiments from elevated national platforms, South Africa's politicians have learned scapegoating from the streets. This is a strategy tried and tested and tried again in diverse and unstable townships. It is the language of self-appointed leaders, business associations, and entrepreneurs who exploit the country's divides between insiders and outsiders, South Africans, and people primarily from other African nations, citizens, and immigrants for their own ends. But classifying xenophobia as an immigration issue can do more harm than good. Heavy-handed anti-xenophobia campaigns risk increasing the visibility of foreign minorities and making their foreignness the issue. They also draw attention away from the reality that the most violent and fraught displays of xenophobia are often rooted in local, municipal, township, or even neighborhood-battles for land jobs, and political office. Let's stop right there, take a break, and then I will come back and give you the rest of this dictation. Hope you're enjoying it. Hello. Are you interested in starting your own podcast? I think Anchor FM is the best. Here's why. With easy and fast setup, you'll be a pro in podcasting right out the gate. There is no additional equipment to buy because you can podcast right from your phone, your laptop, or your desktop computer. Anchor has great editing features such as music and even splitting your podcast in sections. And Anchor does all the distribution for you to Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google, and more. And the best part about Anchor is you can make money with no minimum listening audience. So, download the Anchor app 
or go to Anchor FM to get started. All right, back from the break. Thank you so much for sticking in there with me. I really do appreciate it. All right, let me get down to the rest of this, and we'll finish this right on out. Yes, we will. Ready for the second half? In five, four, three, two, one. In South Africa's case, the disconnection between citizens and politicians is key. Voter engagement has consistently declined over the past two decades, and those areas where violence occurs have some of the country's lowest turnout rates. While many of these areas still support the ruling African National Congress, party participation is on the wane. Trust in neighbors is low. Trust in formal institutions is lower still. In these hotly contested spaces, Political parties surrender to organizations and individuals that maintain order, often through violence. For example, in Mamelody, a township just outside Pretoria, the Farmolong residents association acts as the de facto government, collecting fees and resolving disputes. Foreigners and migrants become targets. The association regularly steals from foreign-owned shops to finance its activities. Local leaders incite hostility to migrants as a means of maintaining their authority. The pattern is widespread. After attacking and clearing out houses occupied by Zimbabweans, Jeff Ramohill, a leader in a township near Pretoria, handed them out to his followers. 
the informal settlement was named, quote, Jeffsville, close quote. Similar examples are legion. In Rosettenville, a working class neighborhood in southern Johannesburg, leaders organized attacks on Nigerians accused of drug use and prostitution. In a Durban township, a business group drove out and kidnapped approximately 50 foreigners. Such vigilantism does little to keep communities safe. Instead, it provides the platform for building political careers and intensifies xenophobia to the point of violence. Behind it all is a failure in government. It is easy to condemn hatred and denialism. Indeed, African countries and the African Union have rebuked South Africa, threatening it with economic sanctions. Nigerian Afrobeat stars have canceled South African concerts and the Zambian soccer team withdrew in protest from a match. South African embassies and businesses have been attacked and the ambassador to Nigeria was sternly summoned. But con condemnation is rarely an effective antidote a campaign led by relatively privileged international and domestic organizations, dash, or even migrants themselves, dash, chastising xenophobic firebrands for their nationalistic sentiments is like pouring gasoline on a fire after all, what serves their purposes more than being scolded by cosmopolitan elites for trying to protect, quote, national values, close quote, and cultures? Such an approach may only harden cultural and political battle lines. To be effective, Interventions must address the incentives for xenophobic violence. This is especially critical in places where migrants and the citizens who live around them suffer the same forms of deprivation, which is the case across Africa and increasingly in neighborhoods in the Middle East. Latin America, and the United States. In South Africa, public awareness, campaigns, and scoldings are unlikely to work 
unless there is a serious effort to reshape how the townships are governed. As long as people continue to feel alienated and angry, xenophobic outbursts remain a threat. When the police and formal leaders are distant, unresponsive, or part of the problem, people will find alternative solutions. Sometimes these forms of self-government are remarkably amicable and inclusive. Often they are violent. Countering them means stepping into spaces where politicians and the police fear to tread. South Africa has taught the world many lessons about forgiveness and reconciliation as violent anti-immigrant rhetoric and policies ripple through Europe, the United States, and elsewhere, perhaps it can teach the world another lesson, dash, about how local hatreds emerge and how they can be stopped. That is the end. I was hoping that I had enough time to read this whole article to you, even with the so I, and and with the break, so I can give your fingers and your hands a break. Um, but um, I didn't run out of time. I was on time. Matter of fact, with just a few minutes to spare. So, because um, the episodes here can only be 30 minutes, and I think I was pretty much, I was probably about at 21 when I stopped. So, goodness, yay. I'm so happy I was bring, happy to bring you the whole full article um, on this, and I thought it was quite interesting. You can leave me a message um, if you'd like, please, if you want to. <laughs> you don't have to, but you can. And you can also become a sponsor, as I said early, earlier. So I am going to call it before my recording goes into red. I am going to call it a night, an evening, or whenever you're listening, listening to this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate just your support by listening if you can't donate. Have a great, 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 great day. And as always, happy writing. And believe in yourself.